Hope you have your Bibles with you. If you would open them to Romans chapter 12, we're going to read just a few verses there and get right into the lesson. Romans chapter 12, great to see everyone again. Uh, we have a few more people here. I'm sure there are people who are visiting. Maybe you've got family members here with you today. Uh, I'm not the normal preacher, you know that, because I'm not as colorful as your normal preacher. Uh, I've never been, I've got a little pastel here, not been able to rock the pastels the way Josh is able to, but the word's the important thing. Good to see everyone today. We're talking about the issue of service. Really tough things for, things for Christians to do sometimes. There are a lot of issues that some people think are challenging issues to preach on, but they're not as challenging when you're preaching to the church. Um, baptism is important. But I could come here today with you and preach a lesson on baptism that I'm sure 99% of us are going to agree with. And you wouldn't really be challenged a whole lot by that lesson. Or I could preach a lesson on authority, which is important, but I suspect few people would challenge me on that. There are other issues that are preached on that are difficult. And we don't think they're that difficult because they're not the issues, but they're the issues that get into our lives. And what we're dealing with over the next several days is one of those issues. We're talking about service. We're talking about being a servant of God and being useful in the kingdom of God in a meaningful way. We talked this morning about God being our servant, and I appreciate the brother in his prayer mentioning that because it's a way that I didn't really think of God working with us in until I began to think about it. And that God is a God who serves us. And he's the guy who looks at our lives and he wants to bless us and we're all comfortable with that, but he wants to serve us. He's looking at you and you're important to him. He looks to you and sees what you need and he wants to provide what you need. And he can provide anything that you need within your life. God is a God who serves. And that's our starting point. When we look at our leadership and we see that our God serves, then we have to start thinking about our service to him. So in our second lesson, I want to talk about the fact that we are people who are supposed to serve God. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Paul said, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul says in these verses that as Christians, our role is to be people who present ourselves to God. And as we present ourselves to God, we are not being transformed according to the world, but we're trying to be like Him. And so if God is a God who serves, we are called upon to be people who serve. We're called upon to take on this role. So I want to step back a little bit and just ask a, a really basic question. This is foundational. What is service? If we're going to grow in service this week, we need to understand what we are growing in. There are a lot of definitions out there you can find online. A very simple definition of service, of service is just doing good things. Okay? That's service. A much more complicated definition is this. The positive action of assistance or supplying of a need or need needs toward another entity, usually of higher social standing or status, though not always so. I really have no idea what that says. I mean, I think I know what it says, but that's, I walk away in my head spinning when I read through that one. Here's one I love. Service is the overflowing of super abounding devotion. Now, I can get that one. 
Service is when you have just this overwhelming devotion. And you just want to do something. When you think about it in your life. Um, if you're married and you, you love your spouse, it's easy for you to do things. Okay, uh, My wife does so many things for me. But the other day she was busy trying to get VBS stuff together. And so I did the dishes and I, I made the bed. And Why? It's not because I felt like I had to, but she's busy. And I just want it because I love her. Here's something I can do. I don't have anything pressing on my plate, right? So I'll just do this for you. And she notices. She goes, thanks a lot. Well, that was something I did because I wanted to do it. That's what service is. Service is when you start thinking of someone and you say, I want to do something for you because I so love you. And in relation to God, it is what naturally happens when you love God. If you love God in your life, if you're trying to be devoted to God, you will naturally want to serve Him. It is not so much an action. It's not a position that you take. It's not a role. It's just a mindset that you adopt within your life. God has been done so much for me. He's been so good to me. I just want to serve Him. I want to do something to make Him happy. If we are not serving God, here's the reality. We don't love Him. It's somewhere related. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you are not serving him because you want to serve him, then you need to question your love. And I'll say what I said last time. I'm not directing that at anyone here. I don't know you well enough. I can't evaluate where your heart is because I just don't, I haven't been around you enough. So if you're someone who doesn't do very much, don't think I'm attacking you. I'm not attacking you. I don't even know where to point right now. I'm just, I got a shotgun approach right now. I'm just shooting at us all. And myself too, by the way. If I love God, I'll serve. If I am not serving God in my life, somewhere along my way, or the way, the love is not there. Now we need to understand a couple of things. First of all, in serving God, we are not doing something God cannot do for himself. Last week, I had a new roof put on my house. Storm came through. It was a 20 year old roof. Storm came through, I looked in the backyard, I saw shingles everywhere, I go, yes, thank you, because now I didn't have to pay for the whole roof, just pay the deductible, which is stiff, not as stiff it would have, would have been if it had been a whole roof, okay. Um, I can't roof the house myself. Well, I guess I could, I can go on YouTube, there's somebody who has done something on YouTube that you can follow, you know, I mean, if you want to find out how to roof a house, go to YouTube. But I wouldn't have the time, and certainly not the experience, so I called someone else, and I got someone to do what I could not do. That's not what service to God is about. God's not calling us to come in there and do something that he cannot do himself. It is also true that in serving God, he is not asking us to do something he's unwilling to do. Um, your house may be a wreck, and life is so busy right now, you said, I'm going to call someone in to do this. You just don't want to do it. You could do it, but you don't want to. God's not like that when it comes to service. God isn't calling us to come in and serve him to do things that he does not want to do himself. Here's the reality of service. In serving God, God allows us to be an active part of his great work. That's an important idea, guys. You need to think about that. All of us like to be a part of something that's bigger than we are. Sometimes people work for companies that are really uh, great companies to work for. They do a lot for the community. They do a lot for other people. They take care of their people. And someone goes, oh, yeah, I work for that company. And they're proud of that. 
They're really pleased because they're associating themselves with something that is larger than they are. What God does in Scripture in bringing us into His service is He brings us into His work. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 10. Paul said, And if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord. Wouldn't that be great in your life if someone said, Oh, they do the work of the Lord. And by the way, that's not just for gospel preachers. When you live your life out in your community, when you let your light shine at school, when you let your light shine at work, when you're kind to other people around you, you're doing the work of the Lord too. This is God's work. And so there are a lot of works that God is involved in that He brings us in as well. We are called upon to be involved in the task of saving other people and teaching other people. Paul marveled at that in Ephesians chapter 3. That God is involved in this great work and He brings up us alongside of Him. And so you have the story of Saul of Tarsus. Road to Damascus, right? Acts chapter 9. Now he needed to be saved. But Jesus brought someone alongside, Ananias. And now this other man had a role in this great work of God. Or you think about our role in helping other people, in particular Christians. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ fed 3,000 people and 5,000 people with fish. But in Acts chapter 2, Jesus called upon the church to help one another. Here's the role of God. Providing for His people. Providing for people in need. But he says, I want you to do this. And you're going to be involved in this. And when we take up the collection here, and you guys throw some money into the collection plate in a few moments, you know what that's about? Boy, we miss this. Well, this is a command of God. I know it's a command of God. I'm not saying it's not a command of God. Why is that command there? Why? I mean, are we just giving because God said give and we're just throwing a few dollars in there? Or do we understand... That when we give, you guys have a number of people that you support around the world, right? And, and in this country, and in other countries, when you give on the first day of the week, God's providing for those people. He's providing through you. Isn't that great? I didn't see the list of all the people. Um, we help support people at Douglas Hills in the United States, in the Philippines, in Africa, South America. When I give on the first day of the week, some of my money is going to buy food for a preacher in the Philippines. That is mind-boggling to me. Right? I'm in Louisville. You're in Somerset, Kentucky. Those preachers back there are helped. And I don't know what you guys did. Very likely you did what a lot of churches did when in Texas a couple of years ago, two years ago, the hurricane went through. You guys probably raised money. And there are people in the United States who were helped out because you were serving God. God did it, but He used you. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful that in some way, in serving God, I can be used to accomplish something that will help somebody who is desperately in need? So, when we begin to serve God, in essence what we are saying is, I trust your work, God. And I trust your will, and I trust your wisdom and your plan and your agenda. I want it to happen and I want to be used in furthering it. Use me somehow. Let me serve you and in serving you, let me serve other people. Well, here's a question. Who does God use then? And this is an important one. Because when we start looking at scripture, we find that God uses the most unlikely people. 
So a lot of times Christians will say, yeah, I know God can use someone like Josh. You know, he's a good speaker and, and Tiffany, I mean, she's always busy. I know God uses them, but not me. I mean, I got a, a regular job. I'm working out at the, the um, truck factory and I'm doing something over there and God can't use me. And I'll tell you that throughout scripture, God used really the most unlikely of people. 75 year old man, Abraham, 75 years old. And at 75, God came to him and said, I'm going to make you a great nation. And I'm going to give your descendants a great land. And I'm going to bless the whole world through you. 75 years old. And then there's Moses. Exodus chapter 4. He had a speech impediment. He's, he's supposed to go before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And he has a hard time putting words together. What was up with that? But God used him, right? And thousands of years later, who are we still reading about? Moses. And then there's David, little boy, ruddy young man. Pretty good with a sling, but better when God was with him. Fighting off lions and bears and a giant. Little guy. God did great things through him. And then for you ladies, we could bring up several women that God used, but Esther, a young Jewish girl in the Persian Empire, but God used her for such a time as this to save his people. You ever thought, she said, I think one day I will save my people. I doubt it. But God said, you serve me, that's the role I'm going to put you in. As we come to the pages of the New Testament, the apostles, what were they? The theologians of the day, the rabbis, the scholars, they were fishermen. Stinky, smelly, sweaty fishermen. But God said, you serve me. And Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. And aren't we glad they went? Thousands of years later, we still speak of Peter, Andrew, James, John, and all these other guys that were remarkable simply because they submitted and they served God. And they changed the world in every way. And then there's Saul of Tarsus. He was a theologian. He was a scholar. He was a rabbi. But he had his head on wrong. Christ broke him on the road to Damascus. And this guy, he suddenly got it right. Thousands of years later, we're still talking about Paul the Apostle. In fact, most believe that apart from Jesus Christ, at least in thought, no one has influenced Western culture the way Paul did in his writings. Simple guy. All remarkable people because they chose to serve God. So I want to ask you, and I think this is a legitimate question, what about you? What kind of service can you give? Because you, you can't be any rougher than the apostles were. And while it's possible you are older than Abraham, Abraham was pretty old, and if you're in his neighborhood, you can still jump on board and be active in service. And while you may not be able to preach a sermon the way Josh can, 
You may say, my speech isn't that good like Moses, and yet you can still do a lot. You may get up every morning, you young ladies, and say, well, you know, there's not a lot going on with me, but you may do a lot of good. My point is, anybody can serve. And anybody can be used in this great work of God. So what's required? How do you become this person who serves God within your life? Well, there are a couple of things you need to make sure you understand. First of all, you've got to be made ready to serve. Someone has said that God does not call the prepared. He prepares the called. Okay, God prepares us for a service. So you may think, I can't do any of this. But you need to understand, God can work through you. But you've got to submit yourself to Him. And when you submit yourself to Him, He prepares you for this. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, the Hebrew writer said, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And you've got to put that one together, guys. How am I prepared to serve God? I am prepared to serve God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from dead works, and now I'm able to serve. So it's not necessarily just based upon your natural ability. It's about you coming to God and saying, God, here I am. You let me serve you. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 21 through 22, we are told this, And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil, evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So first of all, you got to be cleansed. God cannot use you if you're a sinner. doesn't mean he doesn't want to. doesn't mean he can't use you. But he cannot use you as long as you are a sinner. And the only way you can move from sinner to saint is if you turn to God. Specifically, you confess your sins, you repent of your sins, you're baptized, you're washed clean. You're ready to go. Game on. Let's start service. Here's another thing you need to understand. Not only must we be cleansed through Jesus Christ, but we must submit to His will and serve on His terms. Here's an important thing. God uses us where He wants to use us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. Paul is speaking about the body of Christ as a literal body. And he said this, But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. That's a pretty deep idea. You ever seen a twig floating in a stream? Where does it go? It goes where the stream takes it, right? Okay. Now, you put a dog in there or a cat, they're going to go in their own direction. But you take something that's just completely surrendered over, it's going to go where the stream takes it. And what I see in this passage is, when you submit to God in your life and you serve Him, you say, God, you place me where you want me, God's going to place you where He wants you. Looking at Josh again. Josh is preaching. Why is he preaching? Because he decided he was just going to preach? Or do we take what this passage says as truth and believe that he's doing that because that's what God wants him to do? I'm inclined to take Paul at his word. If you guys are fortunate enough to appoint elders... Why are those elders serving as elders? Just because they decided to do it? Or is it because God placed them where he wanted them? And it's not just elders or preachers. It's teachers. It's your influence on a regular basis. 
When you submit yourself to God, God is going to place you where he wants you. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. And when we do what God wants us to do, the value is not in us. People say, oh, well, you know, you're a great teacher. Well, that's wonderful. But you're not the one that's being glorified there. All you're doing is bringing yourself to God. And God is the one who receives the glory. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 8, Paul said this. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You and I, when we submit ourselves to God, we need to be people who understand we are doing what God has asked us to do. Paul said in Philippians 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Jesus in, John, in Luke 17, verse 10 said this, So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. So here's the point. Are you a good giver? Do you give as much as you... That's wonderful. Give God the glory. Do you lead singing? And brethren walk away, oh, I love that song service. Those songs that you picked out, they were just, they elated my soul. That's wonderful. Give God the glory. You step up sometime into the pulpit. Josh is out of town and you're going to preach. You know, you do a good job. People go, you did, you did such a great job. That's wonderful. Give God the glory. You teach little children. You make a meal for someone. You do some kind of job to help them. Give God the glory. We're just doing what God called us to do. And God's the one who is lifted up in those occasions. And we have to serve Him completely. It's not half-hearted here. You don't say, God, I'll do this much, but I'm holding myself back because I really don't want to do anything else. If you're in, you're in. God, you take me where you want want to take me. You open the doors that you want me to go through, and I will serve you. Next question. Why? That's a lot, right? I mean, this whole idea of serving God completely and serving in ways, I mean, that's a lot. Why would I do that? Let me just give you a couple of things to think about. The first one is very superficial, but it's real. If we don't serve God, we're going to be punished. Okay? He kind of made us to serve Him. We are, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, His workmanship, created for good works. You decide not to do that, you're going to stand before God one day. This isn't the greatest motivator. Okay. But it is a motivator. In Romans chapter 2, verses 5 through 9, Paul said, But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance and doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking, those who do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil. Let me ask you, do you want to stand before that God one day? God has blessed you and given you opportunities to serve. Do you want to stand before him saying, I didn't do those things? I don't. That's one reason. Here's the second reason, to be rewarded. And we back away from this one a lot too. Well, we shouldn't just serve God to be rewarded, and yet that is a motivator. Listen to the words of Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. Paul, now, mature, strong Paul. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. 
I've kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You see that? If you're thinking about wanting to go to heaven, and you're serving the Lord, that's appropriate. Third reason. Have a better life. Again, this isn't the most noble of reasons, but it is a good reason. We are told this in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, that service, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today. Listen to this. For your good. So why has God given us this book? Okay. To some people, he gave us this book to ruin our lives. Just to, like, say, whatever's fun out there, I yank it away from you. You know, you can't do any of this. You want to go out and have sex? Can't do that. Ha! Want to get drunk? Ha! Can't do that when that's wrong. Is that the reason why he gave us this word? No. You know why God said, don't have sex outside of marriage? Really, really good reason. Because if you have sex outside of marriage, you may not be able to father and raise that child in a godly way. If you have sex outside of marriage, you might get some kind of sexually transmitted disease that changes your life. Why did God say, uh, don't get drunk? Uh, because if you get drunk, you could lose your job. If you get drunk, some Friday night, you could find yourself in a car wrapped around a tree. And your whole life has changed dramatically. Or... You may wake up from your drunken stupor and you see someone over there who's dead because you were stupid. you got to live with that for the rest of your life. Now, now do you see why God gives his commands? Now do you see why God has said, I want you to serve me because things are going to go better for you. The first commandment given to the Israelites and how they treated other people. Children, honor your father and your mother. Why? That it may be good for you in the land. When you obey your parents, then things will generally go better for you. You listen to your parents, you'll probably listen to law enforcement. You'll listen to the, the government over you. And things go better. That's the reason why. So you serve him because you want to have a better life here. Here's a fourth one. You do it out of gratitude. You think about what God's done for you. We sort of talked about that in the last hour. Has God been... Let me raise your hand. Has God been good to you? Okay. Everybody needs to have their hand out. Up. Okay. There's nothing sinful about raising your hand in the assembly. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I may do that a lot this week just to get you to do that. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Has God been good to you? But didn't you see in Romans chapter 12? It's your reasonable worship. If God blesses you... There's nothing untoward of God saying, I want you to serve me. Nothing at all. Now, if you don't think about the blessings of God in your life, that's another thing altogether. And so you can come here and sit and you can go to sleep and do whatever you want to do. Okay, you'll answer to God one day. But I get it. You don't appreciate God. You need to appreciate God. When you appreciate God, you think about how good he has been to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. Paul reminds us you were bought at a price. Therefore, you were bought. Therefore, Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Okay? You all belong to God. A hundred percent. You are given to Him. So the food that you have, 
The stuff that you have, the money that you have, all of that has been given to you out of God, by God. You got a PlayStation 4, you got an Xbox One, 360, you got all that stuff. God gave it to you. You need to be thankful for what God has blessed you with. So you do this out of gratitude. And then we find, let me just look the last one out here, and this is the big one. All these others are like moving from the least important in the big picture to the most important. And the last one is just who he is. You serve God because of who he is. Let's go back to the book of Job in the Old Testament. You remember that story? Job chapter 1. Satan comes parading into the throne room of God and, and uh, God says, what are you doing? He says, well, I've just been traveling around and God says, well, have you seen my servant Job? And he goes, well, you know the only reason he serves you is because you do good things for him. If you didn't do good things for him, he would curse you. Job chapter 2 verse 5, stretch out your hand now, touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. You know what God does? He does it. Takes away everything. You know what Job said, chapter 13 verse 15, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And Job figured it out. That our God, boy, and we can spend so much time on this, our God, when you really open up Scripture and begin to read Scripture, not to prove doctrinal points, but just to read it and drink it in, our God is an amazing God. He is. You read Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 through 7, and you just, if you're a coffee drinker, you just get a cup of coffee and sit down and read that and drink your coffee and you just think about it for a while because God describes who He is. And over and over again in Scripture, God is described as our rock, as our fortress, as the one who forgives us, as the one who redeems us. In every way, I'm deficient, God. He steps in there and He takes care of it. And when you really get that, and when you can say, like we read from Paul, 1 Timothy chapter 1, in the last hour, I was a miserable, rotten sinner. I was the chief of sinners. And yet, Christ put me in the ministry. When you can, when you can get to that point where you know who you were and you know what God's done for you, that will just bring service all out. And then you're serving God, not because you're commanded to serve, not because the elders are over you going like, we want you to do this, I don't want to do that. You're done. What can I do? You remember Isaiah? Isaiah chapter 6? Before the throne room of God and the, the, the room is shaking and the smoke is there. And these angelic beings are over there going, holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah just falls down and he goes, he goes I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips. And the angel gets one of the coals from the altar and he touches his mouth. And then God said, we've got something that needs to be done. Who are we going to send? And Isaiah goes, here I am. Let me do it. Let me do it. He has been before the presence of God. He was blessed by God. I'm all in. So this is really the heart of the issue. We need to give our service to God. But that service to God is driven by an understanding of who He is. I don't know what everyone here is going to do one day. Some of you might write a book. It's a self-help book that everybody loves, and they just talk about how great this self-help book is. You may start a Fortune 500 company. You may build your own house and get in there and just 
from ground zero, just build that thing up. And that's an incredible thing to do. A lot of really, really fascinating things that you can do in your life. Nothing compares to serving God. I want you to just do something unpleasant as we close, and that's go to the day of your death. See yourself in a casket. And my question is, who's there? Because I want to throw before you that how many people come to your funeral will probably be indicative of how many people you've served within your life. At Douglas Hills, I've been to numerous funerals over the years of people that the room was packed full of people who have come out to pay their respects to this person who had some kind of impact in their life. I've been at funerals where several rooms are overflowing. And I've I've been at funerals where you have people who they have to be in another room altogether with the TV monitor because the room of the people who are there who are served by this person, there's no room. But I had an aunt several years ago who died. And I have to tell you, she was as mean as a snake. Okay? At her funeral, there were about four people who showed up. And I think probably most of them were there out of a sense of guilt. Not because she had had any impact on their life. When you serve God, and you submit yourself to Him, you will have a home in heaven one day. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Father. And you'll impact other people's lives. So that's where it starts. Okay? Appreciating God's service to us, but saying, I'm going to serve God. Thanks for listening this morning. I hope I've given you something to think about. If you're not a Christian, you can have the best of intentions right now, but you can't serve Him because you haven't been cleansed. He needs to cleanse you. If you want to serve Him, you can be cleansed this morning. If you're ready to come and give your life over to God, repent of the things you've been doing, change your life, and you're ready to be baptized for the remission of sins, this morning, in this very hour, you can be baptized and you'll be ready to serve Him. And that service will carry on through all eternity. Isn't that great? So do you want that? If you're a child of God, maybe you look at your life, you haven't been the servant that you need to be. You need to become a better servant this morning. You need to give yourself over to Him. Stop being willful. Start repenting. Change your life. If you need to... Do something this morning. Be baptized. You want the prayers of the saints. You need to repent before God. We'd love to help you in any way that we can. Won't you come now while we stand and while we sing?